You're listening to the After The Show Movie Podcast from ascully.com. You can find this podcast on the iTunes Music Store, Google Play, YouTube, Voice Assistance, just say listen to After The Show Movie Podcast, and you can also find us on ascully.com where we post written reviews. With that out of the way, here are your hosts, Ascully and Sid Talk. Hello, Sid Talk. Hello. Hello, listeners. Say hello to the listeners to talk. I mean, I, I would, but that kind of gives the impression we're just going to wait for them to say hello back. Hello, hello. <laughs> there they are. They're all, <laughs> <laughs> they're all just far enough away to still hear them. That's yeah. fascinating. And they've all got an echo. The internet works a lot different than I thought it did. It's like space, you know, when... Oh, lost in space. What was the before the after the show discussion? Lots of things, including this movie. And the true life about the movie. True story. Also, your sound. What else did we talk about? Um, oh, how I hate it when people look at me constantly when they're talking to me. Yeah. <laughs> controversial. It's going to be controversial. There's going to be people who, like you, claim it's normal behavior. Yeah. I claim it's just weird and unsettling. So everybody out there, don't look at people <laughs> when you're talking I'm to I'm not them. saying that. I told you very explicitly. It's not an all or nothing situation. It is, if I am sitting across the table for you and you having a meal and we're already engaged in a conversation, then yes, you just look at each other and you laugh and you have a normal, if we're going to call it normal, conversation. If I am across the room from you, as I am now, at what would be considered a 90 degree angle we face away from one another, I'm looking at my computer, you're looking at yours. We're only about eight feet apart. I can hear every word that comes out of your mouth. And yet, when I'm looking at my computer, I can see you turn around to face me to say a sentence. And I'm like, why Why is he looking at me? <laughs> I'm not engaging with the eyes. I'm refusing. <laughs> um, I don't know what it is. I'm boiling it down to certain things. Ego. I'm dismissive. You're needy. You know, I'm trying to label everything. There are a lot of rules to this. There are. I don't know. I no, don't there's know only I... one rule. Don't look at me every single time you talk to me. <laughs> I don't know if I can keep all the rules straight in my There's head. There's only one. There's only one. I don't even keep the one rule straight in my head. <laughs> you don't have to do what I say. Just know. I've already forgot. That's fine. <laughs> but you are aware of this thing. This, you know, it's me. It's a me thing, not a you thing. I accept that. Marriage is all about give and take. <laughs> all right. It is um, Saturday, June. No, it's not. No, it's not. Why did I put June the 25th? I don't know, but this is Sunday, June the 2nd. <laughs> <laughs> You're way... Well, because it was May 25th when we did the last one. Oh. And you changed it just the June part. I no, I've changed June. it to Saturday, June the 22nd. It isn't. It's June June second. the 2nd. A Sunday. It's got the ND and the TH on the end. Very nice. Center. I've done that on posters at work. When I've said <laughs> snack day will be it's on the May the 2nd. Two th seconth <laughs> seconds. Anyway, it's Saturday, June the second. It's it Sunday, is. June the second. It is. <laughs> it is Sunday, isn't it? Not Saturday. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. It's Sunday, June the second. For us, but not for anyone else listening to this. Obviously, <laughs> getting the date right is very hard for me. It is. It's after the show number five hundred and eighty-four. I usually get that number right. Yeah. If, 
Um, we're a podcast. We review movies. This week, we're looking at The Haunting of Sharon Tate. It's a 2018 movie. Releases on Blu-ray this week. It's rated R, and it's from our friends at Lionsgate, who sent us a copy of the Blu-ray for review. And uh, Sid will give you the synopsis of The Haunting of Sharon Tate. Usually I resist the synopsis because I think it's kind of silly, but I understand the concept. Um, but this time I'm going to say nothing about the title or the story or the intention of the story seem to go together. So this is not haunting of anyone or by anyone. No. And this is not really about Sharon Tate. But- it isn't. It isn't about her as a human being and the horrible tragedy that of the criminals who ended her life. It isn't about that. It is someone wanting to empower people to want to pretend that horrible things don't happen. Or when they do, you can pretend that's not what happened. So it is a, uh, what would you, what's a pop culture way to call it? Uh, alternate universe type yes. situation mixed with the real situation mixed with mm, questionable motives. So um, let me start by saying uh, there were spoilers in this review. If you uh, don't want to be spoiled and you want to see this movie, go and see it, come back, and then listen to what we have to say. Or if you don't care about this movie, just listen to what we have to say anyway. Because we are very entertaining. Yeah, because it's the <laughs> illusion is that it's about Sharon Tate and about maybe what happened to her. Maybe you don't know who Sharon Tate is. True. And then it just sounds like it's a movie about some random person. Yeah, if this was a completely fictional story, I would have a completely different perspective on it. Trust me. But it is not. This is sounding more like a review than a synopsis. So let's get into the review. <laughs> so, The Haunting of Sharon Tate. It is a movie... Let me read off the cover. That's co- true. Let me read off the cover. Yeah, it is a movie. Let's read off the cover. I'll give you like their version of the synopsis. Based on the story of Sharon Tate's dreams and the Manson family nightmare. That is their synopsis. Mm. <sighs> okay. okay, let's start so there. Let me start with this. There is an interview with Sharon Tate. I'll explain who Sharon Tate is because some of you don't know. She was one of the people who was murdered by the Manson, not by Charles Manson, but by his family, crew, family. as he called them, yeah. And um, she, that, that's a true life incident. Now, this movie kind of covers that incident, sort of. But about a year before her death, she was in an interview because she was a famous actress. She was in the movie Valley of the Dolls, which I really enjoyed. She was sort of an up-and-coming actress. True. That movie is awesome, Valley of the Dolls, by the way. I should have recommended that this week. Oh, yeah. But she had an interview where she said, and that interview is included in this movie. She, what, what are the words she says? I don't want to misquote. Oh, I don't know the whole story, but she dreamed that she... She had a dream. That something terrible would happen to her. Yeah. That's it, really. Pretty much exactly what happened to her. Happened to her. Now, some people say, ooh, she was a psychic horror. Ugh. But n- no. as we said, the first thing that comes to my mind is, no, Charles Manson saw her interview and then decided to do it that way, right? Exactly. That's not- what, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not there. I'm not, I wasn't there. I'm not in but the minds could- of any of the people. But yeah, it's like, it's so obvious that if he was, you know, 
let's be honest, he was a mentally disturbed person. He was a mentally ill person. And his perception of the world, if you listen to him enough, and him enough, not the people who followed him, but I mean his words and kind of the way his mind seemed to work, at least from what came out of his mouth, um, that his perception of things, if he saw that, and then if you learn more about the motives, which aren't even touched on at all in the movie, which is fair enough, it's not a telling of the story of that night, not reality, but um, it kind of makes sense that he or someone else would have seen her, hear her say that, and then target that. So this movie, it... You know, it takes place over three days. Two days before yeah. this happens on the day of its uh, the day of the murders, and it goes from Sharon Tate's perspective, like she's pregnant with her child. Uh, she was was she married to him? Yes, she was married to famous director Roman Polanski at the time, who has a whole other set of reality that you we don't want to go into. Right, and he is not in this. I mean, his character is not in this movie because the she he was away at the time and she making a movie and she was on her own. Well, kind of on her own. Yeah. So, um, it takes place over this time, and this movie, I didn't know what to think of it because it is called The Haunting of Sharon Tate, and let me tell you, the first. 20 minutes of it, the way it's set up, you think you're watching just some generic horror movie. It's so generic. It's like, here are the people. Um, Okay, it's nighttime now. It's time to go to bed. There's a couple of bumps in the night. Right? Yep. Uh, The music, even the musical cues, if you've watched enough movies, are implying you're watching this horror film. Because it's like, you know, like all that stuff to make you scared. But then nothing really happens. Like it's just like there's a noise down the hall. There's a window closing. A radio turned on on its own. Or did it? You know. And you're like, are we watching like the new James Wan movie here, or is this, you know, a psychological thing? Turns out it's like really not, not anything, right? No. You just li- it's it's got like the wrapping of this horror movie to make you scared and stuff. But then actually, because you know what's coming. The boogeyman's already been exposed to you. You know what it is. Um, you mean because you already know the story? You know the story, Okay. Right? I'm, I'm assuming you do when you go into this. But like you said, you even said it. Maybe some people won't even know who Sharon Tate is. Right. So but it's not 100% guaranteed that you'd know But the opening the scenes events. do show them all dead on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. So in the movie, it's establishing yeah. something has terribly happened. So you know what? You know something's coming, and you know these people are going to be dead, right? So they try and wrap it up in this horror movie style, and I'm like, well, it's called The Haunting of Sharon Tate, and it does sound like this could turn out to be like something like The Conjuring, because it seems like there's noises down the hall. Is there a ghost in this house? Is it something like that? And then I was like, that sounds pretty disrespectful if that's what they're doing, right? <laughs> yeah. But that's not what they're doing at all. Like, even though they're trying to make you think there's something like that. Let me say, The Haunting of Sharon Tate is the most misleading title ever anyway. Yeah. Because there is... Spoilers. There is no haunting of Sharon Tate. There is no haunting. There are some real-life murderers who are coming to kill them, as you know, the Manson family. And these people are holed up in... You know, they're in... They're not holed up. They're in the house. They're in their house where they live. 
these people are kind of coming around and it's be, it's a bit weird. Do you think it's conceptual, the idea of the haunting, that we're saying she's haunted by her choices that she may or may not make? Because yes. she talks about fate in the movie and can you change your fate? And All fabricated, by the way. And I have to say those scenes whenever they mention fate and can you change, they're so like, it feels... Like fake. plastic, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I agree. It's plastic. Like, it's like people are talking to each other, and then she'll look at look at that guy, and she'll go, "Do you think we could change our, our destinies? Yeah, or is our book already pre written?" I'm like, "Why are you saying that?" A second ago, you were talking about making a sandwich. It's like it all seems very phony, baloney. When was the, the sandwich part? <laughs> I don't think. I don't think that's correct. You know what I'm saying. It was it was a mundane <laughs> conversation, and all of a sudden you're like, "Is our destiny already pre-written?" And she says it in this, you know, odd. Yeah. If you want to get me started on how horrible the dialogue and the love, the performances and the story itself are, we gonna go down that track, or are we just gonna say I now, think they're all horrible? Now I would say to you, mm-hmm. and I'm I don't know if I'm wrong or right. I don't know because there's not really much. Just I had even had to look up this movie, and there's not many people talking about it. So you said, I don't really like the acting, right? Correct. Overall, Most, except, Mostly. Yep. And I said, I think they're going for that 70s acting style that we know is different to today's acting style. Like if you're watching any movie from the 70s, the acting does seem different to today. It's not quite as natural. I don't give them that much credit. See, that's what, I, I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but that's what I thought that there wasn't a problem because that's what they're going for. <laughs> yeah, but that would elevate their intention. And I don't think there's any... <clears throat> artistic creative intention here other than it is what it is where we found out later that this guy who does these movies is doing this with other stories as well let's say this guy's next what's this guy's next movie the murder of nicole brown yeah yeah and all he's doing is applying fictional elements to real people's tragedies and i've told you since the day titanic came out it is really dumb to add fictional people to a real thing. I've always said that. If you want to make up another ship that crashes or make up other murders that have ha- that are fictional and then you add all these elements. And if you want to put clues in there that this might hint to be a Charles Manson type of thing or whatever. Like, you know, art is borrowed. It's, it's just the way it is. But to take the real events... And then in a very pretentious, self-righteous, up-your-own-ass kind of a way, splice it together, So rewrite the truth. I don't like that. So, I don't appreciate that. So you wouldn't have liked Dunkirk, then? Because those people weren't real, either. They were, they were, they were based on I think we mentioned accounts. that as well. That the event itself could be done just fine without making up fake people or combining people. Yeah. We, I understand. Even though Dunkirk was logistics, awesome, yeah, because of the event and understanding the event itself, how it occurred, or you know that it occurred at all. But then to find out that half of it's fictional, it's like a humongous letdown. Because unless you want to tell me a fictional story about fictional people that reminds me of heroism, that makes me understand patriotism, that's cool. But combining an overwhelming amount of fictional, which is a lie. Fiction is a lie, it's fake, it's pretend, on top of, like, grafting it to real-life people. Basically because, A, you're lazy, and you don't want to make the real story really, really work for you, or you're not creative enough, or you're, you're not impressed enough with this horrific crime that happened, 
so you have to doll it up? That's just rude. Well, let me say, you'll not find another review of The Haunting of Sharon Tate that will include the words Dunkirk, that will include comparisons <laughs> to the movie Dunkirk. <laughs> I bet you. I bet you you won't. Is that a point of pride for you? What yes. Are you, what are you saying? We're, we're, a, we're very different. Are we? So let me say, this movie here... Um, I didn't like it very much. Okay. All the way through, or did you decide that part way through? Because me, I was like, I was like, okay. I decided I'll, it part way through. I can get into this. I can see where we're going with this kind of sort of. And then I was like, ugh. And it, see, I thought we were going the haunting angle, which the which the title gives you. I thought, okay, we're going really batshit nuts. We're doing this haunting thing. There's going to be a ghost. It's going to be that kind of movie. Yeah, but then can you even could you even rationalize in your mind what does that mean? Whatever that kind of movie was, I was kind of on board for that. But then it started revealing itself this movie that it was not that. It was more the strangers than the conjuring. But what would say. you imagine if we were to take the title and make an actual movie? What would who would be haunting who? I have no idea, and that was what I was interested in. How like, that was going it- to play out. Because I thought, okay, are we going to tell the story of her being murdered horribly and her baby and these other people? Yeah, let's not forget she was pregnant. Yeah, and then now our story picks up where she is now a ghost haunting other people for some reason, which I would also find really weird, but... Well, I I was in for some bizarre thing that Uh I thought was coming, but never came. Because it starts off, I could say, 20 minutes of... This could be The Conjuring, you know, that kind of movie. Then I didn't tu- get that vibe at all, but I, I kind of know what you're saying. But then it turned into, like, uh, a fairly lame home invasion movie. Like, it's not actually that interesting either. Like, you know what's going to happen. They're all going to get murdered and stabbed. It happens really quickly in the scene that it happens in. And it's not actually that interesting. You know, there's no, there's no tension or drama to it. They just turn up. And they it- do it like a cheap horror movie sadly they diminish the terrible thing that happened to these people to this like horror jason flicky kind of a thing it was really embarrassing like lots of stabbing and lots of if that had been my sister or my daughter being depicted in that way her death i would have been pissed so then it, it yeah and then it does that you see you see the incident how it supposedly happened in real life but that, that's... Um, also, you can't, because the only people to tell you were the people who did the murdering, so whatever they've said in yeah, interviews... Yeah, you see, whatever, based on the police reports, all that kind of stuff, yeah. you see that version of it. And then I went, and then I was thinking, this movie's not over, is it? It seems like it's only been on, like, 30 minutes. <laughs> so what's happening here? Like, I, I, I'm still a bit lost as to where this is going. And then guess what? She wakes up from a dream. Not once, not <laughs> twice, but three times. Yeah. And that is... So basically, we're being haunted by bad writing. We're being haunted by the waking up from a dream Multiple times. Yeah. Who's that guy that you just watched on YouTube? I agree with him about that. It's a really lame trope. Yeah, there's there's, there's three, at least three instances of waking up from a dream. So So you get to see the... It's actually the only reason they do it is so you can see the incident more than once. But different. They do it different different every time, yeah. Then, I said to be spoilers, we get into the closing act of the movie, and we it turns into just a. Do you remember the Strangers Two? We reviewed it last year. Mm -hmm. It turns into that trope. That trope of a horror movie. It's like you're being stalked. 
you you might get away, you might not, you might kill them, you might not. It turns into that. And I was like, okay, what's happening now? Okay, we're seeing it again. Here they come. They're going to stab. No, they're not going to stab. Oh, they're going to get away. Oh, they're going to kill them. So it, it goes the other way around, like the, the happy ending version of the Manson killings, which is like, I was almost... It's awful. I was a bit stunned by it. I was like, really? This is what it is? So... But you, it doesn't pull it off like an actual alternative happy ending either. It co- It's like, both. oh, no, no, we still need to pretend like we're honoring the events that really happened, but also tag in this, like, denial, emotional, lack of coping version. So, so the last 20 minutes is like Friday the 13th or something like that. They, they're pursuing them. They're getting away from them. Yeah. Maybe some are getting killed. Maybe some are not. Like, some of the bad guys are getting killed. It's like It's like... It reminded me of The Strangers 2, which we watched, which was in that, like... Um, yeah, trailer park Trailer thing. park. It, and, and I was like, oh, it, they just made, like, the Manson murders into, like, some generic slasher movie. Like, that's what they did. Yeah. And you know, like, the real-life outcome of the Manson murders? Yeah, well, we're not going to have that either now. We're well, they to, did, but... We are, but we aren't. There's actually going to be a happy ending, but it's also mixed with a sad ending. With the real ending. And it's really, like, unnecessary is what I think. It's, like... totally disappointing. Yeah, because I was expecting, like, maybe something clever, like, out of... Well, we've gone to the trouble of using Sharon Tate's name and the Manson murders as the backdrop. So maybe something interesting will happen. I can't think of it myself. I think you just pegged it, though, because that's all you have to do, isn't it, to get attention? Yeah, it's just the name. Horrible tragedy... First, get that established, and then just do what you want with it. I'm not a fan. No, and the way the movie plays out, I there were sections of it where I thought, oh, this could be interesting, or something interesting might be happening here, but then it never did. Like it was, it was kind of weird. And yes, there, you know that scene inside. This was the worst scene for me. I really hated it. Hated it. <laughs> There's a scene inside that like nerdy dude's trailer yep. and he's talking to Sharon Tate and she, he's a nerdy dude who lives on her property and she had no idea he lives on her property that's another story that's yep. actually explained very small like in a tiny little dialogue but um, she sat talking to him and the dialogue between him and her is awful it's like some student film all of a it's sudden it's really awful and I'm like this is, why is this going on so long too there's like nothing to it like she's asking him stuff and he's st- And I just hated the whole scene. And there are other scenes like that, too. (laughs) Woo! (laughs) Something. My phone. There are other scenes like that also where they're just talking. Like, like the two people... Let's explain. Sharon Tate lives in this house. It's her... Roman Polanski and her own this house. They live there. But while Roman Polanski's away... There are two people. Would you call them housekeepers? Friends. Friends who are there to look after Sharon because she's pregnant. Make sure she has everything she needs. And, you know, if the pregnancy, if she get, you know, needs the hospital, they'll sort it all out. But the way they pull off those two, the way the script is written, they're like shysters. They're kind of yeah, like just assholes. there. Yeah, they're just there to like, because they want somewhere to live for free. Like it, that's what it seemed like to me. But then when the girl who plays Abigail Folger was talking in the extras, 
she was like, oh yeah, this woman was so inspiring and I'm, I hope I get to pull that off in the movie. I was like, you'll never get to pull that off in the movie because they wrote her like an asshole. Like, there's nothing yeah, great Yeah, if about I were it. the families of those people too, I'd be like, what? You made them sound like total... He even called them in the script. He called them... Um, what do you call them? When they... Squatters. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> squatters, yeah. They felt like freeloaders. Like, they were two people who just, like... They were kind of drifting a bit, and they just went like, "Oh, that'll be cool to stay there." Also, the nerdy guy in the thing yeah. was another one. I mean, I don't think we can say enough bad things about this movie. No, <laughs> it's, it's really just a awful. lot of like disrespect to real stuff. Correct. That's what I think. There's there's portions of the movie where they cut to like newspaper um, photographs of Roman Polanski and Sharon Tate. Like, no, stuff. it was actual footage. Yeah, footage. Also that newspaper. I was thinking specifically of that newspaper mm. with the picture of them on it. Um, you know, and obviously Roman Polanski looks like... But Sharon Tate doesn't really look like Hilary Duff. It's, it's just some odd... Like, it's just odd weirdness. Like, Yeah, and you get that sometimes in a movie based on a true event at the end when things have resolved and then they flash the real footage of the real people saying... And it works. That works. Yeah, and I'm not saying you have to do everything everybody does a certain way. However, if this movie had been trying to depict another angle of the truth of this story and mixing in the real footage, it would have had a different um, vibe, I think. And as far as, like, special effects, blood and gore... All that stuff's in it. Oh my god, it was so bad, though. None of it's particularly well done. (gasps) It was so bad. Like, the bathtub filling up? Yeah. That looked like I did it. It was awful. Yeah. I mean, the stabbing bits kind of looked like they were being stabbed. There was some interesting... Yeah, but you got a lot of Walking Dead blood flinging around. It was real graphic, uh, like, trying to be real graphic. Yeah. Yeah, but as a horror fan, even, if you're just trying to go, well, should I watch this because I like watching Blood and Gore and stuff? No, you've seen it way better in many, many different movies. Yeah. So I'm trying to think of... I like to take the positive and the negative with things. Well, as you, as have you, you got any positives? Like, I like Hilary Duff. I thought she was the best thing in the movie. I don't care what anybody says. She had moments of... since, Like, if it had just been her, you know, like... um, What's the one with What's-Her-Face? Blythe whatever on the rock with the shark right it's just her having to react and do stuff and while that Blake could get lively yes Blake <laughs> yeah. the shallow like Blythe. the shallow um that if this was about her reacting and having to portray fear and confusion and then the moments when she's actually laying down the the deal for these people like what why are you not listening to me i was totally buying her Right. And then they would start to talk, and I'm like, oh, you just sucked the air out of it. So maybe I was just grasping for something good, but I thought I would like to see her in a movie that's equal to what she could do. Now, the thing I, uh, my, my positive that I've just thought of okay. is I was quite impressed with her pregnancy, even when she was in a belly shirt. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, well, that looks like she's, it doesn't look like a rubber stomach stuck on. Oh, it looked. looked like a rubber stomach. Uh, to me, as not an expert, I've never really seen. <laughs> it looked uh, like a total rubber stomach. I actually thought it looked all right. But hey. If you but that's what you... I picked up on. Because, yes, she is pregnant throughout the whole movie. Quite, you know, eight months pregnant, actually. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And, you know, the happy ending part where literally... I mean, we're the... overselling that. It's not a happy ending. It's no, just... I'm saying there are two. I, I was just going to yeah. explain. There's two parts to the ending. There's the pa- there's the whole slasher movie part where the good guys win, 
and the Manson family are all dead on the floor, apart from Manson himself, because he doesn't come here. Um, and they're all walk. The police, you know that scene that you've seen in a billion movies where the police are at the crime scene. Yep. And they're taping off. They're about to tape off so nobody can go through, and all the people are. And that the heroes are just walking out out of the onto the lane, just all. But it looks really cheap and we really survived. Bad. Yeah, it was awesome. Like it, that's still how pretty it sad about it. <laughs> and then the camera pans over, and you see the reality of the situation, which is. They're all dead, lined up on body bags. So when you when I say it's a happy ending, there's a happy ending and the reality. But then it cuts to an interview with Sharon Tate where she's saying, I suppose I'll always see things through rose-tinted glasses. She even says that. And I'm like, it's nice to think that you... What, did you, like that you can survive and take on the whole Manson family and live? And that could be been how And it also goes. about like... The theme of when you make different choices, any little thing can happen. But you, but she, you can't change a choice where someone else's path is directly the, pointed at you, like without when any. She, when she said that, I said to you immediately, you can't change the fact that a psycho comes and kills you. Correct, because you don't know he's coming, and no one can change it after. I think this is what's <laughs> most bothersome: is that it'd be like if you made the Titanic, but then had the alternate ending where it doesn't sink. It's a very bad ending. It's, yeah. It's, I thought, I, I actually, ha, like, I'm I like using to Titanic be on, a lot, but you get you get what I'm saying. Yeah, and I love Titanic. You can't say anything bad about it. I just blank <laughs> you out when you talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, in this movie, again, I'm giving it too much credit while I'm watching it. I'm like, okay, we're, this this slow motion scene towards the end where some where stuff's happening, and I'm like, this is good. Is this going to be like a clever, cool ending, like the Twilight Zone or the Black Mirror or something, where I go, wow, this was awesome. But no, it was not that. None of that. There was nothing clever. No. It was like, what if the Manson family didn't kill these people and these these people killed the family? What if that happened? Here it is. It's happened. But it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't I guess make any... if, what, if your goal is to give people watching the sense of like, ah, screw them. We could them. win over them, yeah. But you can't. But we didn't. But they didn't, yeah. No. So it's pointless, is what I say for oh, that the, the story. Point, the movie is pointless? Yeah, that, that story is it's pointless if it's a true story. It's pointless because I said to you, so what's next? Like, what's next? Like, is the, ne- is the next one like... Hey, do you remember 9-11? What happens if it didn't happen? Exactly. And everybody just went on as normal. Isn't there a show where <laughs> Hitler wins the war or something? Yeah. Yeah, what happens if the, what happens if Hitler doesn't win and Hitler does win? What if he does if it, he didn't? Yeah, what happens if it what happens if Hitler does win? Or then like Yeah, there is a show, isn't there? The Man in the High Tower or something like that, is it? Don't know. Anyway. History is history, and yes, you can write... I do like some alternate history things where it's like, ooh, that'd be cool. But this is like... Why does this feel different, though? That's the question. Like, are we sensitive because it seems... I think because it feels exploitative the entire time. It It feels like they're just... The name of Sharon Tate, people know who it is. People know the Manson thing, and they revere it in a way. And this movie... And even if you're a Manson fan, I'm sure there are people who... like. Manson would claim that, yeah. The, you know, they, they're intrigued by the whole thing. This doesn't tell anything new. And actually, 
that even though Charles Manson character is in it, he's barely in it. You might as well. You're just like in the shadows a couple of times. Yeah, I guess you could claim if you're really trying to give him credit because when you see him, he's always just sort of in the over to the side. Yeah. He never speaks, to my knowledge. Well, that one scene at the door, barely. But he could be the haunting. Mm-hmm. But I don't think so. Nah. I don't think so either. So, yeah. Um, let's move on to the cast anyway. Hilary Duff plays Sharon Tate. And I agree. I think she was quite good in it. I think she, with what she had, she was, she was pretty good. And I don't know her as an actress, to be honest. I've not seen a Lizzie McGuire movie when she was a kid and all that. I don't really... I don't really know how good an actress she is. I've not really seen anything. But she was fine in this. And I've seen people saying the worst thing about this movie is Hilary Duff. She was awful. But I would say Jonathan Bennett, who plays Jay Sebring, was awful. I agree. Sadly. I, I don't know what he was going for with his depiction of this guy. In fact, in the extras, he said he, he researched it quite a lot, but is right? it just the because of the dialogue is so bad? Yeah, maybe it's not him. Maybe it's just the script he's reading. I mean, it's a combination, obviously, but still, it's so it's bad. wooden and weird. Like yeah. when he's when he's getting out of the car with Sharon Tate at the beginning, the scene that they show Ugh. in the I was and, embarrassed. Yeah, and it's like exposition dialogue. Also, it's telling the, everything that they're saying is just telling us what's going. Also, on. telling us who he is, yeah, ex-husband, is. just through like one line of dialogue. But they're happy, happy where Roman happy. Polanski is, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't like Jonathan Bennett at all. Um, you know, when I started, he, Jonathan Bennett was in, you know, this year's Celebrity Big Brother where Tom Green was in it. He was one of the contestants. Mm. And I didn't like him in that either. He was, he was the scheming one. Right. <laughs> uh, Lydia Hurst, who I read, is a supermodel, actually. She's not actually an actress as a profession. Um, and it said supermodel, not just model. So what's, is, does that mean she has special powers? Must be. Special power for me never to have heard about her. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to be rude, but... Anyway, yeah. Lydia Hurst plays Abigail Folger. And yes, that is the Folgers from The Coffee, which I wasn't aware of until I'd seen this movie. So maybe I did learn something from this movie. That Abigail Folger was the heir to the Folger, Folgers Folger. Coffee Empire. Which is also a horrible, sad story. Like that it is. These other people, I mean, everyone who died, it's horrible. And she is portrayed like an, like an Asperg. She's really bad. Yeah. I, I didn't like, I mean, she was, kind, she was friendly with um, Sharon Tate, and she tried to, but then she kept telling her, oh, perhaps you just see I didn't things. like her performance. No, not really. Not even the character, but her personally. I didn't like how she did any of it. And Which, this again, guy, could have been the person she was playing. I don't know. This guy, Powell Saskia. I'm sorry, I butchered that. He plays Wojciewicz Fryowski. And he's a, the guy, uh, her boyfriend. I'm assuming he's Russian or something. I don't know. He kept reminding me of Crispin Glover. Like, is this Crispin Glover's brother? <laughs> what do you think of him? Uh, Not good. No, he's like... <laughs> Some, hate, of the, some of the acting just, from him awful. reminded me of like porn acting. Like yes, <laughs> like, yes. Like it's somebody who just like doesn't actually act, but they have to today. Like, come on, just say a few lines, you'll be all right. That's what it felt like. I was like, oh my god, like who is this guy? And then I put down Bella Popper. She plays Sadie. Fivel Stewart plays Yellow, 
and Tyler Johnson plays Tex. They're the three Manson family ones they focus on. And Ben Mellish plays Manson. You can't say anything about the Manson guy. He literally just stands there and kind of looks like Charles yeah. Manson. The three creepy ones, Tex, Sadie, and Yellow, they didn't do a very good job either. No. You know the guy, Tex, who was supposed to be real super, oh, you're supposed to be scared of him. I didn't. I wasn't particularly scared of him. It was like some of the cheapest horror movies I've ever seen and how it's like they've got a cast together and they're like, we have five minutes to make this whole fucking movie. So here's, here's what I want you to say. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Blah, blah, blah. Cut. Put it in the can. We're done. Yeah. Like, it was just like that. It was horrible. And didn't you think, like, the Sadie and Tex characters were like the strangers yeah, without the masks much, on? Too much, too much, too they much. They were doing that funny walk, like that over-exaggerated horror walk. Yeah. There was one scene where one of the girls was walking towards the gate, and I was like, why is she walking like that? Is she just, like, pretending that she's in a horror movie now? Like, it's really weird. Uh, so this is directed by Daniel Farrens, who... If you look at his... i actually seen one of his documentaries. He made a documentary on um, Friday the 13th, the Camp Crystal Lake Chronicles, where it takes you through the making and the fandom of Friday the 13th, and it was quite good. I think you should stick to that stuff. Because, like we say, his next film is The Murder of Nicole Brown, Smith. And mm-hmm. didn't he do another... Yeah, he did. He did an Amityville movie before this, which, as we know, the Amityville horror... It's based on a real thing. Kind of. So, Mr. Daniel Farrens, you don't really want to be the guy who, like, capitalizes on real things, do you? I mean, people do all the time, and I'm not going to throw this out there as a sign of admiration of any kind. However, one of the things Charles Manson liked to rant about was that. That when you create chaos and destruction... Everyone but everyone profits except the one who suffers at the hands of the chaos and the destruction. Everyone. It's a business. We're, they're all creating a business to make money off of everyone's suffering. So there you go. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. I agree with that. That idea. I didn't make it up, but I'm just saying. Right. So let me um, go on to the one star reviews of this movie. And unlike last week when we watched Vigilante, a Vigilante, and there wasn't many bad reviews, (laughs) this one, they're all bad reviews pretty much. But this is the thing. Does your interpretation of the bad reviews change when you also think the movie is bad? I don't know. You know what I'm saying? They give more validity. But uh, most of these people gave this movie a 3 out of 10, um, which I don't necessarily disagree with. Yeah. I wouldn't give it a 1, because there is something about it, but, you know... So let's have a look at these reviews. 58, u- 58 users have gone on IMDb to review this. Only 58? Mm. Oh. And 24 of them are one star. So, here we go. From and readme98028. <laughs> says, stunningly disrespectful. This was horribly distasteful and disrespectful. It was an exploitative movie. About one of the most horrific murders in American history. I don't think the voice works when you agree with it. Shame on everyone. (laughs) How do you know I agree on this one? I mean, when I agree with it. (laughs) Shame on everyone involved in this sick travesty, including Hilary Duff. May you all learn from the errors of your ways. That's pretty deep, but yeah. That sounds like some psycho thing, too. Here's another one. I'll read it in a genuine voice. Okay. How dare you? 
How dare you use a person that was brutally murdered to make cash? If the story was not horrible enough, they changed the story to a fantasy because the real story would not sell enough. This is a big no-no. Uh, I mean, yeah. Yes, I agree. Um, This one from McGregor. Horrible script meets horrible casting with predictably horrible results. Avoid! See, again, I have to, I can't defend the content just because I agree with the vibe and the sentiment because they're not giving any reasons for how bad it is. This one, um, this one says, Being a Ghost Hunters fan, I figured a haunting movie would be great, so I stupidly agreed to watch this with my wife. I was then trapped for two hours, which is weird because it was 90 minutes. But anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Did they keep pausing it for some reason? The best thing about the movie is the night shot time lapse over the city. It was awesome. It was. (laughs) I actually agreed. Did I say to you You that was an awesome time lapse? Yes. That is funny. Uh, This guy says, I couldn't even watch it all. I made it about halfway through and I felt like the producers of this steaming pile of crap should pay me for the time wasted. I rate this fiasco a minus 10 stars. Minus 10, eh? Minus 10 is pretty... <laughs> there is no minus, unfortunately. Yeah, it, it, it totally changes your how you hear a bad review when you agree with it. Yeah, so this one says, biased. garbage. Let's change all the facts and make something up. And Hilary Duff should stop acting. She had never had any talent. Terrible. I guess she's already a plumper, so she can play a pregnant <gasps> woman just fine. Rude. Jeez Louise. JFH72320. You should be ashamed of yourself for being so rude. Um, Let's do one more. I'm really hacked off. I was tricked into seeing this. The title sounded interesting. I thought it was supernatural. But it's just a murder film. So the title is very misleading. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, there are your one star reviews of this movie. And I would give it a three star review, not a one star. It is well made as in production is fine. Things looked good. I don't know what their actual house looked like, but I assume they did some research, so I'm going to give them a little credit for that. It had a fine pace, and it had good... I I didn't even mind, like, the music, although the looping, really shitty. Like, it sounded like a really... One of the earliest episodes of an old crappy TV show where they filmed all the audio in a separate studio and then had to loop it by like putting it over the top of their moving mouths. It well, sounded that bad. Well, now you mentioned that. Let me explain something. Lydia Hurst, who plays Abigail Folger. I was like, I don't know her. Like, I go and look up some other stuff she's done. And it led me down the internet rabbit hole like you do. Yeah. And I ended up on her Instagram. And there was a post from her saying... I'm doing the ADR re-recording of The Haunting with Sharon Tate, and she stood in front of a microphone. <laughs> Interesting. So, so there you go. <laughs> yeah. They definitely ADR. ADR, if you don't know, is that, what you just said. They they go and re- You can never... If you do ADR on a movie, and you do it properly, it should sound like you were actually just there, not yeah, it's like, in a room. It's like cut, cutting and pasting someone's head off and putting it on, on another photograph, right? Yeah. If you combine the correct quality of the image, the contrast is correct, the light and darkness um, is all correct, the size fits, then you wouldn't know, right? If even one of those things is off, yeah, like you it's can too... Tell. 
pale and the rest of the picture is something else or color grade is wrong, then your brain is like, that ain't right. That's how it is when the looping is wrong. Even if, even if their mouth is moving with the words, if there's a disconnect, like there's no ambient sound paste, you know, over the top of it, there's no like birds chirping in the background. And, there's, and like, when you talk in real life, there's some reverb from the room, and when yeah. they re-record it, they do it in a soundproof booth, so it sounds soft and dead. Dead, yes, yeah. yes. And you you can definitely hear that in this movie a lot, especially when like you're listening to it in like Dolby HD that our receiver does. So it makes it sound really good. But then you're like, oh, maybe that sounds too good because Hilary Duff over there sounds like she's in a booth all of a sudden. So extras, there's just, well, there's two. There's an audio commentary with the director. I am heavily interested in listening to that this week. (laughs) I really am. I want to know where he was coming from choosing this project. And like... Money, money, he doesn't, money. Funnily money, enough, money. there's a whole audio commentary with the director. I will listen to that. But there's also a making of thing called Premonitions, The Haunting of Char- Sharon Tate. The director is not in that documentary, if you noticed. Mm. He doesn't say a word. Mm. And who did the microphones for that documentary? <laughs> Again, the sound was bad. Right, okay, so this is, this is actually the... It's like the making of this movie. Here's how it sounded. Like, if I were to go way back here and talk like this, and then you record the whole podcast like this, and that's how this And you sound. can hear wind in the trees <laughs> and stuff. Like, it's it's really bad. Like, I was like, wow. Did, did this crew... I mean, it was like nobody had a lapel mic at all. It was just like, eh, we'll use a cell phone to record these people. So you, you're really struggling to hear them. It's weird. And what do you think of it as a making of the movie? Did you nah, was, did you learn anything? No. Well, I mean, whatever I didn't know, but I didn't care. I liked listening to Hilary Duff talk about it, and she seemed very serious about it. I think she was sincere in her efforts, but I don't know. So, um, yeah, that's the... Uh, I was going to say the haunting of Hilary Duff. But that's pretty much what it is, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, the haunting of Hilary Duff. I'll give it three stars. Um, no, I can't recommend this one, I'm afraid. And I try to find good in most things, as you, you know. Do. But this one was a real miss for me. I'd watch A Vigilante again. I like that one much better. And what about you? What? I think I've said everything I need to say. All right, so uh, next crappy. week... It was disappointing and crappy and disrespectful. Make thanks. it Make it a fictional story, I would probably have a completely different attitude. So thanks to Lionsgate for letting us review this. Next week, we're going to look at a totally different movie. Marvel's Captain Marvel. That's a lot of Marvels. So um, we're going to look at Captain Marvel next week. You know, I'm always looking forward to Star Wars or Marvel. That's that's pretty much all I look forward to in movies. What do you think of Captain Marvel? I don't know anything about it whatsoever, so I'll have to see. It's the next in the uh, MCU. Let's mm, not abbreviate. You know the story. What is that? We, Marvel Cinematic Universe. Thank you. We just watched, uh, the last one we watched was Ant-Man and the Wasp. And right at the very end, Captain Marvel's pager showed up. Remember? Yeah. Yeah, but barely. Nick Fury's about to get out of, Nick, ooh, spoilers. Nick Fury looks at his pager. <laughs> Captain Marvel is on there. Well, don't spoil it then. Well, that's not this movie. That's the one we've already watched. 
You saw it. I know, but people might not have seen it. It was called Avengers Infinity War. I know, but no, about but a year people ago. might not have seen it. True. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll be watching the continuation of Thanos' story, let's say. So, uh, movie recommendations. I am going with the fit uh, on the theme of The Haunting of Sharon Tate. The Strangers, the original one with Liv Tyler. I think that's a really good home invasion type movie. It's a horror movie. It's not... Is it based on real things, that? It is, isn't it, in some way? The Strangers. Those people with weird masks on. I don't know. It's actually based on something real, but not... It didn't happen exactly like that. But there was some people with masks who turned up at people's houses and murdered them. Anyway, The Strangers with Liv Tyler. So are we hypocrites then in saying that that was good, but this is not? I really liked it. (laughs) And uh, my other one is a piece of alternate history... And it's uh, Quentin Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards. And funnily enough, Quentin's new movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, has Sharon Tate in it. Not the real Sharon Tate, obviously. Uh, Margot Robbie as Sharon Tate. And it does cover this period of time. And Quentin might, if I know Quentin, do a similar thing to what this movie has done. But I bet he won't get as much shit, will he? Well, you're going to have to be honest, and if it seems as creepy, you got to go with that. Yep. So, um, Inglorious Bastards, which is an alternate history which I didn't mind. You know, it's like a what-if scenario. Yeah. So, um, what is yours? Mine are, because my whole thing is, let's just make up new things if we can. You know, like I said, art is borrowed. You, There's really nothing brand new under the sun for us to come up with, except for new ways of telling similar stories. So to me, a couple of franchises, which I don't normally recommend, but that came from they they aren't retelling of old stories that I'm aware of. Um although now that I think about it, mm, it's child's play. You know, Chucky. Hey, Not great. Guess what? What? There's a new child's play movie That's this, fine. this but- summer. That's fine. This what I'm saying. They're starting over, though, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. What I'm saying, though, is that idea didn't necessarily exist. It's not about true people. It's just taking that story, which, when I think about it now, yes, there was um, a Twilight Zone and Outer Limits and old radio stories that had dolls or mannequins, man, you know, dummies, dolls, whatever, that or possessed or something, Um so it's not a brand new idea, but it's not based on a real person or anything. So Child's Play, not great, not high quality. But if you just want horror and sort of cheek and like get scared and weirded out and grossed out for the sake of it without being at the expense of somebody's real story, there you go. And Hostel, because Hostel's just fucked up. I don't think they're all good. They're but not. The, the concept is... There was three hostel movies. It's actually terrifying when you think about it. That you could end up going anywhere on a vacation and you're actually, you know, it's a trap (laughs) to be ushered somewhere else for something really horrible at the hands of really horrible people. Also something I had not seen before or, you know, it's not about anybody. Right. So, uh, yeah, There there are horror movies that are better than this one. Yeah, I'm not saying those are necessarily, <laughs> but they're, they didn't exist. They're just somebody picked up an idea and ran with it, you know. All right, so uh, games and Ace Cully stuff. I've been playing two games, one called Void Bastards, 
And what this game is, and it's actually really cool, it's one of those roguelike games. Do you know what a roguelike game is? Mm -mm. You should do, because I've mentioned them so many times. They are kind of game that are designed to play more than once. So, you are, for instance, in this game, Rogue Bastards, you are, you are lost in space. You're a dude, and uh, well, you're like it's explained at the beginning. You're kind of like a android of some kind, and you are exploring spaceships for gathering, um, you know, stuff to further your adventures. So you're going into a spaceship. You don't know what's in it. It's like a disused spaceship in the middle of space, you know, like just hanging out. You're going in, you're going around the spaceship, you're collecting up valuable resources, you're bringing them back to your own ship, you're upgrading your own ship, you're upgrading your weapons, you're crafting new items. Everything you do makes you a little bit stronger and a little bit more able to venture further into the galaxy. And you will die, and you will die quite a lot, because on these spaceships there are things that will try and kill you. When you die, your consciousness is injected back into another version of you, and then you get to keep all the stuff you you got the the first time through. Right. So it, you, every time it's like a oh, it's a, I'm a little bit more, I'm a little bit more, I'm a little bit more powerful, and eventually you'll get through. Um, now, what's cool about this is every time you die and your consciousness is injected into another body, that body comes with a defect of some kind like all bodies do. And the defect that mine has got at the moment is it has a cough. So it's really terrible, this version of me, because it is going through a spaceship and there might be aliens on it or something that's going to kill you. And my guy can't, he'll just cough randomly and everything will look at him and go, hey, coughing man. And the, it will get really bad. So I'm hoping my cough man dies soon. <laughs> I'm not killing him. I'm going to try and get as far as I can with it. <laughs> But the fact that he's got a cough really sucks because there's no hiding from anything. But there again, the guy I had before him had cataracts, so I could barely see. <laughs> oh, God. So you know what I mean? There's always a there's always something wrong with the version of you. It might be very little. It might just be like, oh, he's got a bit of a limp, so like it's he might not move as fast. But the cataracts one, I could it, it was like looking through Vaseline as I was walking, and the cough one. He just alerts everybody that is around because you can't stop the cough. He's just going to cough. So that's Void Bastards. It's like a cool, the actual way it looks, it's um, cell shaded, you know. It's an indie game. So it's like, um, it's fairly low budget, but it's really fun to play. And the perspective is first person. So it's like a, it's like a shooter. You're going around, you're shooting, you're collecting stuff and you're hoping you don't cough. And the other one I've been playing is American Fugitive, which is it's a game uh, like the old Grand Theft Autos where it used to be from the above perspective where you're looking down on the world. But it's new and it's got like next-gen graphics. And it's the story of this guy and it starts off and you, your dad gives you a call in the middle of the night. You go over there and you find your dad is dead on the floor and he's been murdered. And the next thing is the cops turn up and they instantly like take, you know, you murdered him and be like, why did I murder my dad? I don't know. You end up in prison, spend some time in prison. Eventually you have to escape prison. And now I've escaped prison. I'm on the run and I'm doing like jobs for like weirdos. And it's, it's like Grand Theft Auto, 
but it's like old Grand Theft Auto that you remember <laughs> from like 15 years ago. But they give it a fresh coat of paint, but it's still that top-down perspective where you can see the car from above. But it looks gorgeous. It's like, you know, widescreen. And it's basically some indie developer wanted to make the old Grand Theft Auto, but make it now. And that's how it feels when you're playing it. So those are the games I've been playing this week. What's for dinner, said Doc? Tonight we're just going to have sandwiches and fries. Some kind of sandwich and some fries. <laughs> I know what a sandwich is. <laughs> well, we had a sandwich before. That was pretty good. I thought that would be really good with French fry. It would. So. <laughs> I'd eat that. Now, we're vegetarian. If you wonder why we're telling you what we have for supper, it's because maybe you've never heard of a vegetarian eating a sandwich. I know. It's shocking. But what we get are vegetable-based or plant-based things like deli slices. And we have three different types. Now, did you like that kale one? Yeah. Kale and red pepper flavored from Light Life? Yeah, something like that. I don't mind. You know, all the fake meats that you can buy, like, they make, you know, all you meat eaters, you buy boiled ham and all that stuff and put it on a sandwich. Well, they, for us people, they make fake versions. It's not of fake that. version. It's plant-based. Plant-based versions. Yeah. And they're, they're all fine. I don't fake li- would be like plastic. I like any of them. The ones that you say you don't like the texture, I, no. I, it doesn't bother me. I didn't. That one was like, because right now I have this thing where I can't taste really or smell anything. So texture is very important. So, so that's right. why we're telling you what we're having for supper. So what's your advice and then we'll bugger off? My advice. Excuse me while I yawn. Don't take it personally. I'm taking it very personally. <laughs> Yesterday I went I'm to offended. a family reunion. I didn't sleep well at my mother's and I didn't sleep well last night. Wah, wah, cry, cry. I'm over it, but I'm tired. Um, I think that this movie sparked this and also just watching people in life not coping well with actual events in life. I cannot speak to some horrible things that can happen in people's lives. I can't. I've never experienced them. Only my own things and then whatever human sympathy slash empathy I can offer for other things, you know. Like my aunt has lost her grandchild or granddaughter in the past. She was only nine years old. I do not know what that's like, but I can somehow dig inside my heart and be like, oh my God, that's just, it's awful, right? It's awful. However, this movie promotes an idea where if you just wish hard enough that it was different, then we can cope with it better. Like, pretend that's not how her life ended, you know? Right. Like, her life ending, Sharon Tate's life ending, everyone who dies. Sadly, your mother passed away many years ago. My father has passed away. That's a change in our lives that is extremely difficult to cope with. Not only that, but the change in their lives as they were ill or, you know, facing their death. Change is life. It's existence. There is no existing without everything changing constantly. Every cell in your body is replaced every few years. To the best of my knowledge, from watching science YouTube videos (laughs) and reading about it, like this concept that you're not the same lump of cells you were when you were born. You're constantly changing. If that stops, you're dead. It's because you're dead, right? And then those cells become something else and whatnot. And sometimes people like to sell you on the idea of this thing, like this movie. If we just, you know... Pretend like it ended different, then we can then 
convince ourselves there are things like multiple universes and fates that different lines of our existence are happening in different ways. And in another place, in another time, I'm not suffering right now. It's just smoke and mirrors. It's a lie. It's a distraction from the truth. And however you cope with the truth, I cannot argue with. But pretending the truth doesn't exist or that it has happened for some reason that you have no basis in reality for, you might as well not exist. You're making up a reality that doesn't, isn't there. And this is reality. This desk, this coaster, this microwave, microwave, this microphone. You can't see any of that, so really, this might <laughs> Yeah, not really, be. you might question the existence of it if you can't <laughs> see it. And I, I get that. You can argue me or with me on this all day long. I get it. But if things aren't changing, and unfortunately that comes with bad changes as well, painful changes, daily changes, moment to moment things can change in your life. Thoughts can change in your mind. The things you choose to do, the things people do around you or to you, cause changes in your life that you do not have control over often. And then you cope with it. You don't pretend it didn't happen because that's when you stop existing. If you're not accepting the change, you know, and part of change is yesterday I felt happy 99% of the time because this, that, and the other. And today I feel very, very heavily depressed and sad because someone died or someone's ill or something bad happened or I lost my job or my wife left me or my kid has a problem, right? So that change in emotion and everything, it still is real. It means you exist in the world as you are. And if you tried to deny it or pretend it isn't happening or let someone sell you some snake oil to like live in a dream world then that's it. You're in a dream. You're not real. You, you're not living your life. So true. They don't know what advice is in there, <laughs> but existence means change and just, you know, cope and, and move forward if you can. And uh, if you want to know why we're not biking at the moment, we no. really want to bike. I want to bike so bad. We didn't mention that we're not biking, but yeah, we we're bought not- <laughs> new bikes. There was, a, we told you about the tornado came over here. Yep. Not our house. Again, big changes in people's lives that are being coped with. You can't pretend that tornado didn't rip up people's houses. Then there was a lot of rain, and now the river has flooded some of the town. And uh, our trail that we go riding on is underwater in parts. Yeah, it's the MKT or the KT Trail, which goes for us from St. Louis to Kansas City across Missouri. It's 266 miles, and I think right now... Almost all of it is either blocked off because the potential for flooding or the hazards of letting people even try to get out there because what it was was the old train track. And so the train would have ran a lot of the time right with the river because a lot of the big train stops would have been for cargo coming in and out near the river to drop off to boats and people and whatnot, right? So when the river goes up, guess what gets covered up first? The track. So we're open. it's nice and sunny for a week, and then we can go biking. Not that we're selfish and we think it's more important for us to ride our bikes while people are suffering the loss of huge amounts of property, but still we would like to go on our bikes on the Katy Trail. We just bought new bikes. Yeah, but you haven't actually, I drove past all the flooding yesterday. It's like, whoa, it's unrecognizable. And the water is almost up to the highway. And if anyone's ever driven across a causeway, 
which is just a road that basically is barely poked out of a very long stretch of water. It's like a bridge, but not up over the water. That's what it's like driving down the regular highway where you're usually surrounded by long fields of green. In fact, there's a turf farm out there, like a grass turf farm, completely underwater. Like, it's like that's the river. Yeah. It's unsettling. All right. So um, you can catch us on ascully.com, Twitter, Facebook. Catch this podcast. Just go to ascully.com, click on the word podcast. I explained it all at the beginning of the show if you weren't listening. I wasn't. You can email feedback to me at aschool at aschoolie.com. Don't email Sid Talk. And I want to say, ooh, mm. ooh, stay classy, movies in general. Oh, well, that's broad. But uh, I do like I to wa- say- Actually, hold on. I like to watch a good movie, and I also like to watch a bad movie. If you notice, our podcast will probably is usually longer if we watch a bad movie. That's true. Because <laughs> there's more to say, isn't there? I always, always more to say about something I don't like than there is about things I do like. And I will say think for yourself, because if you don't, someone will do it for you. 